0: Hungarian Grand Prix was certainly historic as Red Bull Racing picked up its 12th straight victory, and it was also another win for Max Verstappen. ninth on the season, 7 in a row, but was the race exciting? Yeah, we're going to get into that. It is our Hungarian Grand Prix review here on the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for joining us. We'll go over the race and also give out letter grade for all 10 teams on the grid, but before we do, just a quick reminder if you have not yet subscribed, liked, reviewed this podcast, we certainly do appreciate it. Helps our algorithms, helps people in the search engine, et cetera, et cetera. If you're brand new, we don't ask you to subscribe right away. Give us a few episodes. If you have a few episodes under your belt and like what we're doing, we we just can't urge you enough to help us out. I know people say that on podcasts all the time, but it really, really does make a difference. All right, so I'm going to answer the question about the excitement of this race in really one sentence, and I thought the Hungarian Grand Prix was pretty boring. It was another Verstappen win. That's not surprising. We've seen it all Season hits a seventh in a row. It was historic for Red Bull in that they picked up their 12th straight victory, eclipses McLaren's run from 1988. You got to go all the way back to last season, Brazil, George Russell, and the Mercedes to see a last victory from any team or driver other than Verstappen or Perez. So, that being said, there was some excitement on Saturday because Lewis Hamilton took pole position by the slimmest of margins. He won pole by by 3 one-thousandths of a second. Now, look, no one thought that, maybe except for the die-hard Hamilton fans, but even them, I think that they would be hard-pressed to think that Hamilton would win a 70-lap Grand Prix holding Max Verstappen at bay. I just don't... No one thought that. It didn't mean that Saturday didn't have an impact. I mean, there was certainly a nice little surprise that Mercedes had just enough on that Q3 lap to get pole position. So that was the exciting part on Saturday. Now, by the way, the qualifying rules for the Hungarian Grand Prix were a little different. They used hard tires for Q1, medium tires for Q2, soft tires for Q3. You didn't have a choice. You couldn't play around with the strategical tire element for qualifying. Everybody was on the same tire, but it still produced a Lewis Hamilton pole position start. But the reality of it is because no one really thought that Max Verstappen was going to be behind Hamilton all race for 70 laps, you basically get what you have been seeing all season long. You might take the lead from Max like Lando did at Silverstone. You might start ahead of Max, see Hamilton last weekend, but you're not beating him, not over the course of a Grand Prix. And the advantage that Hamilton had on the grid lasted until like lights out, because he had a bad start. Verstappen on the inside, going into turn one, under-breaking, takes the lead. That was all she wrote. But not only did Verstappen get by Hamilton, so did Oscar Piastri in the McLaren, and that was followed in turn two by Lando Norris. So Lewis goes down to fourth place in right after the first sector of the Grand Prix in lap one. Now, there was some more action in the back of the grid. Joe Guan Yu ran into Daniel Ricciardo, who hit Esteban Ocon, who then hit Pierre Gasly. Gasly has a puncture. He retires after one lap. A few laps later, Ocon comes in. He also retired. This is a double DNF for the team. Now, the Ferraris were behind Hamilton with Carlos Sainz starting on soft tires. Now, they're running separate strategies with Charles Leclerc. Sainz pits off of those tires on lap 60. He gets a set of hards. Leclerc is on the mediums. He stays in fifth place behind Hamilton. And then Lewis came in on lap 17, coming out in eighth place. Now, this is where I thought this was kind of the fun part of the Grand Prix. Oscar Piastri is riding in second. He's ahead of Norris. Norris comes in on lap 18. They want to pit because Hamilton. Hamilton pits on lap 17. So they're not going to have Piastri pit. They're going to have Norris pit to sort of avoid the undercut by Hamilton. So they're going to keep Piastri in second place. Meanwhile, Ferrari sends Charles Leclerc to the box, and they have a nine-second stop because they had a bad tire gun. By the way, if you think that would be the worst thing that happened to Leclerc on the day, yeah, wait, wait, just wait. We're we're not even started yet. Nevertheless, he comes out in 11th place. He is behind Lance Stroll. Piastri then comes in on lap 19 of the race. He gets a good two-second stop. That was well done. But here's the thing. It wasn't good enough to get ahead of Norris as the two McLarens go wheeled The wheel. Norris gets the edge. He undercuts his own teammate, and that works well for Lando Norris. All right, so meanwhile, back up front, you got Max Verstappen. He's cruising. He's got no trouble at all. He's way ahead. Sergio Perez, who had not pitted because he's on the hard tires, starting in eighth, trying to go a long first stint to try to take advantage of some pit stops. Verstappen comes in on lap 23 and was still able to get back out in first place. Now, Perez finally comes in. He goes on the mediums and he comes out in seventh. But it was really the McLarens that were the star of the show on Sunday They were really strong against Hamilton Now you could hear Lewis on the radio talking about how much they were ahead of him The only car that they needed to pay attention to, though, was Sergio Perez Because while Verstappen had been the lead car and comfortably leading and winning races all season Checo once again was playing the recovery drive I mean, another bad qualifying effort forces Checo to have to make some overtakes, have to go on a different strategy, have to fight his way back up into a podium position. Checo's been running recovery races for a lot of this season. I mean, again, you have to start passing cars just to be in a podium conversation. In reality, Red Bull should have both of these cars ahead of the pack. But Checo's struggles have allowed for other teams like McLaren now, like Fernando Alonso earlier this season, Lewis Hamilton, a couple of podiums to have that converse, have that belief that there are some, there are two podium places to be had because Checo is fighting from the back, fighting from behind them, and a couple of times he'll catch them and get the podium in sometimes he does not. But Checo did have the pace on Sunday around the Hungaro ring. He got up to fifth place and just kept the pressure on Lewis Hamilton trying to get that fourth position. Now, Lewis was doing a pretty good job of holding him back. Pretty good defense from Hamilton. So Checo went in for his second stop on lap 43. Piastri was also in the pits for his second stop, and they both come out in fifth and sixth place. And this is where Checo started to come through the field. He got by Piastri, he got by Hamilton. He trying to track down Lando Norris for second and does not do that. So at the end of the Grand Prix, 70 laps, no safety cars. It ends up being Verstappen, Norris with his second straight P2 finish and Checo. So that's how the Hungarian Grand Prix comes to an end. So the race overall wasn't really that thrilling. There were some overtakes behind Verstappen and there was some interesting strategic calls, but it's not a memorable race. It's not a memorable Grand Prix. Unless, of course, you're a Lando Norris fan, McLaren fan. This is the second straight weekend that they've really shown some power. Again, this is going back to last se- the beginning of the season where they were absolutely awful, but they kept hanging around until they could get some upgrades and now it is really paying off. We've been watching this best of the rest situation all season long with the Red Bull clearly way ahead of everybody. It was Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso getting on some podiums. Lewis Hamilton has been on some podiums. Now you've got Lando Norris in back-to-back weekends on the podium and the car to beat in terms of the best of the rest. Forget Red Bull. They're in a league of their own. Everybody knows it. We're now talking about who's the second car on the grid. Uh, it could change. I mean, it could change. And these are two totally different tracks, by the way. The McLaren is pulling this off from a high-speed, high-corner Silverstone to a more of a go-kart-like track at the Hungaro Ring. And their team officials, Zach Brown, Andreas Stella, they're just not getting that carried away yet um, with what is happening to their team. They know that that spa's coming up. There is a lot of speed at that racetrack, and they'll just you kind know, of sit back and wait and see. Now, I can't do a review of the Hungarian Grand Prix without talking about the bigger news going into Budapest, and that was Daniel Ricciardo's return to Formula One. This was a little awkward, you got to admit. And and, and you know why, because DeVries was in his rookie season he's like learning the sport he's learning formula one had to talk to his engineers yeah his results were disappointing but he's got to believe like i think i would be if i was a rookie that there's some learning curve in this right that i'm i'm going to try to get better week in and week out but red bull decide that the, the the Helmut Marco decides Daniel Ricardo needs to be in that seat and out goes DeVries, in goes Ricardo. And you can just imagine Nick DeVries, poor Nick DeVries, his Formula One dreams have been crushed for now. I have no idea if he'll ever get back in the sport. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But you know that it's very tough to get back on the grid and there's always young drivers that are the next great thing so you're trying to get somebody to believe in you again you're not a veteran I mean think about you think about like Nico Hulkenberg for example getting back in a Haas when he was let go from Haas he was still a respected enough driver to be a reserve driver for Racing Point he was a guy that was around the paddock you could count on him to fill in when Lance Stroll was out he filled in but that's not DeVries right DeVries is not going to be getting the phone call like, oh, you've been around the sport for a while. Can you be a driver for us this weekend? So... If he wants to get back into Formula One, it's going to have to be he somehow revitalizes himself racing, get into something else, and get back into the conversation with people when there's vacancies. But again, you're, you're going to be going up against other drivers who are trying to get into the sport. You're going to be going against other Formula One drivers who may be trying to get back into the sport. So it's going to be very difficult. So that being said, a little long-winded there, but that being said, here comes Ricardo and the whole world is celebrating. Everybody's celebrating, Daniel your Rick is back in formula one. So you can only imagine how tough it was for DeVries to be replaced by one of the more popular figures in the sport around the globe. It was, it, it was really, really awkward. Nevertheless, He finished 13th. He did have that altercation where he was hit. Then he hit Esteban Ocon. But overall, a pretty good run for Daniel Ricciardo in an absolute crap car that is Alphatari. We're going to give grades uh, later on in this podcast. But just setting it up, Daniel Ricciardo back in Formula 1. And it was really, really nice to see. Good to see the RIC on the timing board. All right. Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that Charles uh, Leclerc had a nine second pit stop. They had a bad tire gun and that was really horrible. But it wasn't the only thing that was horrible for their day. Leclerc gets very was getting very animated on the radio. And he explained this by saying, hey, we're having radio problems like every other word is being cut out. And so I'm a little bit animated because I need to make myself heard over this dysfunctional radio. He also had some water problems, and he also had a five-second penalty for speeding. And that caused him, again, to drop down in the order at the end of the Grand Prix. So remember the strategic disaster that they were last year in Hungary? Remember that? Yeah, well, it's continuing. They just had a mess of problems. But it feels like every week there's a mess of problems with Ferrari. I mean, radio, water, Penalty for speeding, tire gun, like mix it all together. Throw it in a soup, stir it, let it simmer. Yeah, it'll taste delicious. Uh, By the way, Lando Norris broke Max Verstappen's trophy. We found out that it costs $45,000 to get a new one. They are hand-designed, and so either someone buys them a new one or, you know what? Just get some super glue and make it fun. That's what I think. I That's what I think. I think forget like every all these rich people just, oh, just order another one. No, just be like, you know what we'll do? Let's put it together with some glue and have a good time. We'll get Lando into the into Milton Keys and we'll just throw it all together. Wouldn't, they, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah, he popped. He went down for the champagne, popped the champagne, and the, the trophy that Verstappen put down fell off and broke. Lando sort of kidded later because that's Max's fault. He put it in the wrong spot. But it was some fun times. But again, it would be really, listen, F1, cool video, at least for the kids. I don't know if adults would think it would be funny, but I think it would be funny for kids to see Lando Norris and Max Verstappen super gluing the, the broken trophy together. That's just my idea. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a sports broadcaster from Tennessee. All right, so let's get to the team report card. Let's start with Red Bull. Now well, it's an A. It's always an A when both drivers finish on the podium. I'll be a bit cheap by not giving him an A plus since Max didn't start on pole position and Checo started ninth and needed to start on hard tires to move himself through the pack, which he did just fine. Now that's 12 straight races for the team that goes back to Abu Dhabi last year. It kind of breaks McLaren's record that they had from 1988. Verstappen wins his seventh straight race, ninth overall. As I mentioned before, this is ordinary now for this team. No one's going to... To catch them. The only time somebody's going to beat Max Verstappen is if Max Verstappen beats himself and, and it's a DNF or he spins and can't recover, whatever. But Max is going to win every race in which he finishes under the checkered flag. If he finishes with the checkered flag, he's going to be victorious in that Grand Prix. All right, Mercedes, I gave Mercedes a B. Hamilton getting pole position by three one thousandths of a second was pretty exciting on Saturday. And again, even though we knew it wasn't really going to mean anything when the race came around in terms of winning the Grand Prix. Now, George Russell, he didn't get out of Q1. Remember, he had that traffic jam that caused him some problems on his lap attempt, but he made up for it with a P6 finish. Hamilton was able to get between McCla- the McLarens Finishing fourth um, After his terrible start Allowed both Oscar Piastri first And then Lando Norris second To get past him on lap one He really didn't have any race pace To make it very interesting With the three ahead of him And he stayed out a bit longer In hopes of a safety car That never came Sergio Perez finally got to him And uh, so Hamilton finishing in fourth place Is a pretty good result But nevertheless It wasn't really going to be any better than that. So both drivers said afterwards, yeah, we kind of finished exactly where we probably thought we would on this day. So that's good enough for me. They get a beat. McLaren Lando finishing with another P2 Piastri runs fifth now Piastri had P2 for a while early in the race but it's Lando that gets the podium finish and the trophy a follow up to a great run at Silverstone for the team this was a completely different circuit as I mentioned before from their disastrous start at Bahrain to what has become a turnaround that is exciting people around Formula 1 we're seeing Lando Norris running in podium position he has been a driver that has been Ready to burst with these kind of finishes Two does not make a big Huge declarative Statement but he's off and running As of right now So this was a really, really good weekend. Piastri did have some floor damage. It did affect his tire life. Norris, though, was able to get enough pace up front to keep Perez a few seconds back and hold on to that second place. So very, very good job for McLaren this weekend. As I mentioned with Ferrari, it's a C, but both drivers do finish in the top 10. They're clearly, clearly struggling with anything that is resembling a competitive weekend for that top-tier best of the rest. It's just... Ordinary day for them. It was just ordinary, hence the uh, C average that I gave them. Carlos Sainz really made the soft tires work in the first stint. They should have swapped them. They should have swapped them. They didn't. He made up five places on the first lap, but then when he got on the hards, he struggled a little bit on that longer run. Leclerc, as I mentioned, nine second pit stop, water problems, radio problems, five second speeding penalty. I mean, it's just piling on at this point. Just a bad day for the scuderia they get to see. Aston Martin, I gave them a C too, because remember when Fernando Alonso was on the podium and everyone was really happy? Now Lando is on the podium and everyone's happy. But let's get to the team, because Alonso finished ninth, and Lance Stroll earned a point for finishing P10. It's a double point day for the team, not the points that they want. Now that's pretty good for Stroll, given that he started 14th on the grid. Alonso felt, though, afterwards a ninth place finish was the best that they were going to do. The team didn't really elaborate on what was wrong. They just know that they have to figure it out that they'll need to finish better than they are right now. They're trying to get back to what they were at the beginning of the season. And we'll see if they can do that in Spa coming up this weekend. Alfa Romeo, a D. Now, this was very perplexing because Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guan Yu started in the top 10. Now, again, they don't have a car that maybe would allow them to stay in the top 10. But maybe one of them could. Maybe one of them could get a point. But both didn't finish outside the point. Joe ended up colliding with Ricardo at turn one. Uh, he was given a five-second penalty for that. He ended up 16th. Bottas finished 12th. He got caught up in that first point. Turn chaos as well, dropped a couple of places, and was passed by cars on the soft tire. Al Fatari, I, I gave them a C. I mean, all eyes were on Daniel Ricciardo in his return to Formula One. He finished 13th, tagged by Joe on the first turn, that caused him to hit Esteban Ocon. He needed an early pit stop. Getting him out with some clean air really, really helped him out tremendously. He's coming back in a new car after a half a season away. So he was pretty with happy with all the good things that happened to him. But this car is yuck. It's a yuck car. Yuki Tsunoda finished 15th. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I've been high on Yuki Tsunoda's finishes. That he's done really well for a car that everybody knows is crap. And he was hovering around like 10th, 11th, 12th. Like he was keeping it right around there for a good portion of the season but this was a bad race he finished 15 started on the soft tires made up some places he came in had a long pit stop around seven seconds that was that first pit stop hard tires caused him to lose some pace medians didn't help when he came back in again uh however the team was really excited about daniel ricardo so you can't really blame them but they get a c i gave it because daniel ricardo finished 13th Williams, a C. plus. Um, Alex Albon finished 11th. Just one. I should give him a B. I'm going to change that. I'm going to give him a B minus because Albon finished 11th. And the more I'm thinking about that, that's pretty good. Uh, one spot just outside the points was pretty surprised by that finish. Now, hear me out on this wise because Logan Sargent, he retired the car late. It was the penultimate lap. He spun out, and then they decided to retire the car. But he had a pretty good day going, too. Both drivers did acknowledge Hungary is not, the Hungara ring is not the track that is best suited for their car, but, but they had some decent runs. So I'm, I'm going to change that to a B minus. Albon has, is having a pretty good season for what he's driving. Uh, Haas, I gave him a D and there's really nothing more to elaborate on because Nico Hulkenberg finished 14th and Kevin Magnussen ended up 17th. It was just a disappointing day. I don't even remember anything they did to be honest with you. <laughs> like I, when I reviewed the race, I didn't see anything that they did. And then Alpine, I, never, I really don't do this, um, I think it's the first time I've done this with letter grades. I gave them no grade. I, I cannot blame either one of them for what happened. Both cars had to retire, second straight double DNF for the team, but it wasn't their fault. Joe hit Ricardo, who hit Ocon, who hit his teammate, and that's it. That's nothing left after that. Gasly came in after the first lap with a rear puncture, and a couple laps later, Ocon came in and wrapped up their day. Is it me, or is there, have they not been good since uh, Ryan Reynolds and his investment group bought the team? I'll have to double check. I think I was on vacation when that news broke. So I have to kind of see the statistics (laughs) since that moment, but uh, double DNFs, uh, yikes, maybe Reynolds can, and McElhaney and whatever they did at Wrexham could work for the Alpine formula one team. All right, so that's gonna do it for our hungarian grand prix review all right we'll have a preview of spa one of my favorite tracks on the circuit i love spa i know it's dangerous i know i know but man Puhan, branchement en rouge kimmel straight i'm really looking forward to it sprint race weekend too so we'll have uh, things to watch for this upcoming weekend and plus we'll have top five bottom five from hungary that'll be in next uh, the next podcast later on this week so again, give us a like, subscribe, share it with your friends. And if you'd like to reach me, you can on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can email the show Tony D Radio show at Yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys uh, again. Help us out. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Daziri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.